everyone. Welcome back to ESG Decoded. I'm your host, Caitlin Allen. And today we're so, so excited to highlight a portfolio company of one of our investors, the Heritage Group. Founded in 1930, the Heritage Group is a fourth generation family owned business managing a diverse portfolio of more than 30 companies specializing in heavy construction materials, environmental services, and specialty chemicals. Um, like I said, they are an investor in Climco. And um, with us today is Angela Price Baker. Angela has a long history with the Heritage Group family of companies and currently serves as Director of Business Development for Invita Solutions. Invita is a premier supplier of customized waste and recycling programs, industrial services, and transformative sustainability solutions. Angela, we're really looking forward to learning from you about this topic. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's start with Invita Solutions. So tell us what does Invita do? Um, and if you want to add any background on the Heritage Group, that's also welcome, of course. But um, we're sure. really, really curious to hear about Invita today. Well, I'll start with who Invita is, and then I'll back, back it up into the Heritage Group part of it. Um, but basically, Invita Solutions is the service side of the Heritage Group. We focus on total byproduct management, um, meaning we look at everything the customer does operationally, logistically, and um, all the way from purchasing all the way down into what the disposal of is um, certain material. We do that for the purposes of bringing a consolidated program into scope, meaning we standardize billing, we standardize how waste is management, managed, we look at the suppliers to bring liability to the forefront to protect the brands, including our own. And we consolidate it into a managed approach program for the purposes of allowing our customers to become standardized as well as customized and optimized. So that's really the, the gist of that. Um, I'm very proud. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I work, used to work in the operations side of it, so I'm very acclimated with how we do it. Um, but to give you some background into how our company came to fruition um, about back in 2000, uh, we were actually in front of a customer who was looking for a new way to do things. They brought to our attention that they were looking for a, a one-stop shop for uh, waste management. Um, they didn't really feel like they had a good handle on how best to manage all the various suppliers they had in the background and do it from a, a top-down approach. And they challenged the Heritage team of, of companies to come up with a plan. And little did that company know that Heritage being the inventors of a lot of things in the environmental environmental sector, um, we were already starting to test pilot a program here in Indianapolis, and uh, we brought that as a as a possibility, and we piloted it with them, and they are still our customer 23 plus years later. So um, we've continued to expand a tier one relationship with our customer base that services a lot of different industries. So, Super interesting. Um, yeah. So Invita recently rebranded from Heritage Interactive Services, now known as Invita Solutions. Tell us a little bit more about the rebrand and the drivers behind that. Well, sure. So um, I'm sure nobody's at all surprised to know that the marketplace has changed over the last five to 10 years. It continues to evolve. And we're a part of that evolution inside of the Heritage Group. Um, Heritage Interactive really was the pilot company that spread off 20, 20 plus years ago. And as recently as two years ago, we uh, fell under a different portion of the Heritage Group, and we are solely independently owned inside the Heritage Group. Uh, they are our parent company, and it, we felt that it was time to bring a new name to that level of, of management. Um, and it became from the environmental with 
uh, Vita meaning life. So we, we truly believe in the sustainability sector. We truly believe in not only bringing that to our customers, but living it as a brand, much the same as the Heritage Group. And that's been the focus for the last two years. And as of June 1st in 2023, we came full circle and we rebranded to Invita Solutions uh, with the purpose of continuing to expand our model and grow it quite aggressively um, to, in the environmental sector uh, because we truly believe we are the leader in that area, um, not only at Samvita, but as the heritage group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned mm-hmm. the marketplace evolving and changing as it always does, right? But let's talk a little bit more about that. I know that's what listeners will be super, super interested to learn from you because you guys are sure. and have been at the forefront of a lot of this. So um, let's talk about that. What are the main demands that you're seeing in the market? Well, I mean, that's a broad question, but, you know, it really focuses down into, uh, you know, you see a lot of acquisitions happening across the board and you see a lot of companies working to consolidate spend and they're looking to do it more efficiently. And we're no different. Uh, We're looking to um, bring that into the environmental sector. And the focus from customers has been to understand what they're doing from a transparency model at a higher level, but also bringing that standardized approach at the site level, because we understand that site locations and localized environment are very um, unique in their states and in their certain counties of each state. But at the corporate level, they want to understand what the um, sustainability targets are, how they're being met, how they're not being met. And it's to bring that standardized approach into that domain so that you have the transparency both at the site, corporate and sustainability level. Um, Where it's changing is that you have now their customers and the suppliers now heavily focused on sustainability metrics. Uh, There's a lot of obviously regulatory compliance that goes along with that, but customers as a whole are taking it much more seriously. They're looking to evolve and make sure that sustainability isn't just about recycling, but it's also about protecting their brand. It's also about making sure that they have those sustainability metrics in place and that they can show it to their customers in any number of ways. And you know, we talked, you know, as recently as back in May about this, but you've got customers who are still very heavily focused on zero landfill and zero waste. And that requires customers to be looking very heavily into what's being purchased and also what's being disposed of. And that's one of the things we look uh, a lot at inside of our programs. But then you have the carbon-free um, programs that are coming forward. And we truly believe that that's going to be a heavy focus, um, if not already a heavy focus inside many of our customer base. So we're working ahead, not only in just on the ground, but in even in our data and sustainability reporting to make sure that those kind of metrics can be reported and can be utilized inside of our customer base to continue to progress not only the customers, but their suppliers, because many of those suppliers are being requested and enforced to show that their sustainability programs are moving along in their progress of their own growth. So, I mean, it really is coming full circle inside of um, a corporate environment. Um, you know, and our program is, is sidelining with all those to make sure that those metrics can be measured. So. And it's interesting. So, you know, I, I think the zero waste to landfill has been a concept that's been around for probably longer than, say, a net, net zero um, emissions model. So do you see any conflict between those two? Or is it, or do you have, you know, some customers that, you know, have a zero waste to landfill and they have a net zero? Are they seeing any friction between those? There's absolutely friction between those. Um, there are two different methodologies. You have scope three, which is going to be heavy in our domain where you have and will be required to track carbon emissions 
and uh, to see where your improvement over movement and logistics is is meeting those metrics. And then you have, uh, you know, a, a smaller inventory of waste energy facilities, which is the end of life at the end for zero landfill, which there are few and far between, which require creativity and moving materials. Obviously, we're doing that, but they re- still require a, a, a longer haul and a longer logistical movement of those goods. And so it does require deep diving inside of what should go to landfill and or, and or waste energy facilities uh, because logistically, we don't want to be tracking miles of air and or material that has a better use in the local domain. So when you compare those two arenas, we're looking at both because obviously we don't want to logistically move material that shouldn't be moved. But at the same time, if you have a carbon reduction program, we have to be looking at companies like Climco for carbon offsets where we show reduction in materials to help offset some of those emissions that are going out and that will be tracked down the road in scope three. So um, you, we, there is a, a heavy conflict. It is, is, it is also from an administrative standpoint, um, different methodologies and our customers are determining and evolving in what that looks like inside of their sustainability programs. And so they are kind of meeting in the middle, but they do go two very different directions, but we're working aggressively to regardless of whichever domain those customers fall in, make sure that we're trying to work within both domains so that depending if one carves out or the other carves out, we've got both covered. So that's super interesting. It it really is, right? So it, I think it kind of highlights sometimes the cost benefit and um you know competing objectives in our in our sustainability goals, right? And this is true of the whole, if you look at all the UN Sustainable Sustainable Development Goals or SDGs, sometimes they're in competition with one another. So this is a really interesting example of that in the the waste sector and kind of at the end of the day, right? What is the ultimate, what is the ultimate goal? Which one is the most important? Where can we find that overlap where they work together? And then, you know, how do you really prioritize at the end of the day, what, say level of environmental impact or type of environmental impact is is really the one that is most pressing to mitigate um so very very interesting do you have any oh go ahead sorry i think i think in our group i i think of the term competitive for sure because they do compete with one another but i think if companies start to look at them as complementing one another Mm -hmm. i think that might be the better route for all of us to take um Mm -hmm. In reality, I think both seek out a good and good outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can think of complementing them, then then we can think about how to work together to logistically make sure that, they, that the both objectives are being met. Um, I don't think either one is right or wrong. I think that there's probably just the objective of our customer and their KPI metrics. And overall, I think a good methodology of mixing both is good for the environment because it, it gets waste out of the system. And, you know, I'll, I'll go back and clarify waste. <laughs> Waste is anything, anything. I used to call it sweat, solid water, energy, air, and toxins. Those are all objectives that inside of a program should be looked at because inside even our customers, if it's not something we service directly, we definitely work with them to look at all their components to make sure they're looking at it all consuming you know, as a program. Can you say the sweat acronym again? What was it? Sure. It's solids, water, energy, air, and toxins. Those are all things that contribute to waste. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's noise in an environment from an air compressor leaking, it's obviously not contributing towards 
you know, overall cost goals from, you know, the energy component being wasted and or noise can be a detraction from the employees who are working. So right, wrong or indifferent, there's a lot of things that we need to look at inside of our program to make sure that they're operating at the optimized state. And that's where a program comes into place, which is change management. So yeah. interesting. So interesting. Well, let's talk. I know we we won't get into names or anything of clients or, or relationships, but let's talk about some case studies, right? What are some examples of how the NVIDIA model it has really made an impact? Well, we have several different customers, but one in particular, um, we have taken 23 plus facilities to zero landfill. Um, and the, the biggest challenge that they had and a lot of customers have is filter cake. It depends on the constituents of it. Um, it obviously depends on state regulatory EPA guidelines as to how it can be repurposed and or reused. And uh, through working with them um, on how to haul it best to those limited numbers of um, waste energy facilities, uh, we did it cost effectively and managed to also take a large percentage of the volume of their waste, which was filter cake, into a localized environment and put it into a reuse that was agreeable to the customer so that it wasn't moving that material over county and state lines to get it burned. Um, we don't just look at there being a waste energy facility and determining that that's the best use for it. We look at it and go double deep and determine what material can be carved out of the program what can be repurposed and not sent to a burner. And overall, that's why when you look at total tons of a customer, you know, you'll have anywhere from two to 9% go to waste energy, but that's the target numbers to get it to two, not to nine. Um, can material go there? Yes. Should it go there? Not necessarily. But with that said also, I mean, customers are looking at cost. In today's environment, there is a cost to segregate material out. So we go with them and map out what is their starting point through a baseline and what is their finish point toward end of life and make sure it's going to a facility that you can count on as far as liability goes, but making sure that if it has another purpose to it, you, you can take it to that from a cost savings perspective because cost is always going to drive decision-making. So, and other examples, I mean, I could go on and on. No, please do. I think it's super, it's super interesting. And I think it's really helpful for our audience who I would say is probably well, as far as we know, mostly um, folks that work at corporations, they're corporate professionals or capital markets professionals trying to um, set up and implement these types of programs. So I think um, we'd love to hear another example. Okay. I can give a couple yeah, more, actually. That'd be um, great. You know, years ago, personally, I worked on one where uh, we had uh, heavy grease on metal components of parts that go to a car. And they were being hauled from Mexico. And of course, the cost then to remove the oil because, or the grease, because grease on or car, you know, steel has and attracts oxygen. Oxygen causes rust. Rust is a problem for metal. So they would put heavy grease on there to keep it shipping overseas. And then the facility who received them in into the United States had to remove the heavy grease from that material. And it caused the wastewater treatment. It caused, you know, obviously the wash water, all the costs were driven up, but it's still, when you looked at procurement, the cost to do it that way was better, right? Until we took a look at it and we started talking to our MRO suppliers, maintenance, repair, and operations suppliers. And we started to realize that they had other types of bags. And if you're in the automotive industry, you're familiar with those bags that prevent the oxygen from getting that material. But this particular one had a copper, copper lining on it that contributed to then the oxygen being drawn away from the metal which the grease was there to protect. 
and it was wrapped from Mexico and they got over a six figure savings just from looking at their purchasing habit and going to a simple bag that could then be turned around. And when you consolidate it, either whether it go to waste burn or landfill was a much more cost friendly solution. Plus they didn't have the water expense. They didn't have the heavy grease and the cost associated with that. So the solution as a whole when you looked at not just the facility and their operations, but what, what was creating this waste that was causing this burden, um, not just financially, but the burden of the operations itself, um, it's not just about cost. It's about what it costs to do all of it. And that's the total waste management perspective. They look at it the all-in price. And that's something we've been looking at for a long time is what is the all-in price for this you know, part and piece of their operation. And so by just talking to our customers, getting to know the people on the ground, listening to their challenges, listening to the things that they, like human beings, uh, don't like to do every day, you know, there's an opportunity. And so we took it upon ourselves to take the challenges and solve for them. And so that is one thing that our program does. But on a lighter note, when you get into, and I worked in equipment for several years for our Invita. But when you get into the just simple stuff, innovation does not have to be new and divine. It's sometimes just sharing practices that make logistical sense that today other companies and or sites are not practicing. And it's teaching them how to do it. And it's giving them that change management scope. And equipment is a perfect example of that. You know, there are a variety of different solutions that come through equipment that bring those materials into a certain market segment that make them then marketable versus a waste. And when you get into the net carbon discussion, right, we want to move them efficiently down the road versus loose and or less um, desirable in the logistical market um, so that the valuation or, and or the value of the cost of not doing another practice become higher. And so we practice that oftentimes by looking at other ways to solve for material waste listening to our customers, making sure that operationally that can be done, but we give them the information so they can begin to then, um, as I call it, put the roots in place for an ever-changing economy, an ever-changing world, so that when the world decides to change again, and it will, that they have the root system in place to be able to navigate it and be nimble in it. Thank so. you. That's It's so helpful to hear kind of some of these really specific use cases and understanding sure. why a total waste approach is so um, can be so valuable to a company. Yeah. So, um, you know, one other reflection I have is before we wrap up is that when you were talking about the total waste calculation um, in the automotive yeah. example, it sort of reminds me is of, of the life cycle assessment when we look at a life cycle assessment of greenhouse gas emissions, right? Because I think it's 100%. Yeah, it's sort of a similar, similar concept of when you're looking with this laser sharp focus on one piece, it's easy to say like, well, yeah, of course this is lower emissions or of course this is lower cost or whatever, but it's not till you take that holistic view um, of in like an LCA's cradle to grave, for example, or in, in this case, the total waste that you really understand the full impact. And then once you have that type of information, then it's much, much clearer what it's repeated, right? What the, and what that decision <laughs> yeah. should be, right? Uh, what right. the business appropriate decision is. Um, and of course the it's environmental whole, appropriate total waste maturity model. Yeah. It's the whole, uh, looking at the corporate down structure and seeing what can be done operationally mm -hmm. and making sure that it's step down approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Love it. So common sense really at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs>
It is, but we're human. We love to do our thing. Exactly. We like to overcomplicate it, right? Great. Well, um, Angela, this has been such an interesting conversation. Um, do you have any other final thoughts before we wrap up on the waste trends and um, where Envita is headed? Well, Envita is growing. Envita is growing as the country right now. And honestly, the world is starting to figure out and ways to consolidate and scale down program like Invita is growing. Um, and then that's another reason why it became imperative for us to carve ourselves apart and start to trend forward in a different direction as Invita Solutions is that our sector is growing in large part because there's a heavy focus on environmental sustainability right now because our world requires us to be better inside of the landscape that we're doing our business. And so we're growing and uh, we're, we're working with customers to make sure they're growing alongside of us to come into the heritage group where I'm going to throw the heritage group a plug because mm -hmm. they are continually investing inside the um, environmental sector, bringing new types of innovations through obviously the venture group and other vehicles that provide solutions. And as you remember, you know, five to 10 years ago, a lot of our solutions were heavily focused on overseas. And I think the information and technological era have kind of come back and collided a little bit. And I really have to give all the accolades to the Heritage family and to the group of companies for continuing to take on that challenge and bring the solutions into the arena that may not be a solution today, but they're continuing to look forward on those trends that bring value to the system as a as an environmental grouping of companies. And not just inside Heritage, but all the companies that are working to better the society of the environment. So, Angela, perfect yeah, way to end. Say. I don't think I need to add anything. Thank you so much for, for sharing your time today. 100%. Thank you for having me. <laughs>